0: Your name's not Dan, you're not coming in. Hello and welcome. You're in tune to Raw, the 90s Rave podcast with me, your host Tom Latcham. And today's episode is a little different to usual. We're joined by eminent rave artist Junior Tomlin, otherwise known as the Salvador Dali of Rave, to talk about his career producing flyers, which will almost certainly have adorned many of your walls, and his new book, which is brilliant and out now on Velocity Press. Go and find it. And as we're discussing art, we thought it'd be a good idea to rope in Raw's in house artist, Grantus Arts, to join the chat. Sorry about the sound quality. That's what happens. if I'm made to present and produce at the same time, I'll slap my wrist and make sure it never happens again. And sorry too for the odd beeping noise. That's Mrs Tomlin's phone. But she was fielding work messages. Hope you enjoy it. Why do you think the art, the art and the 90s rave scene were and remain so intrinsically linked?
1: It was basically a product of its time. And not I need to... Uh... It's links because of one the music and the people who feel the music and the people who actually made the music to, for other people to actually play in waves, yeah. And at that particular time, yeah, the, uh, the art gave the whole scene a identity. Yeah, and the identity was basically like a, you could basically call it like futurism. Yeah, not only was it like futurism, it was basically like uh, happy to go into the future, even even if uh, that future is a bit unknown. Everybody was like, at, at that particular time, everybody was uh, happy and enjoying life. And then, you know, they get together just to basically get together and dance and enjoy music that they've never heard before. Okay. So um, even though you're not a DJ,
2: you're an MC or a producer, anything like that, how did it feel for you to be involved in, in that scene at the time, be such like, an integral part of it? It was only like, you know,
1: years, years later, where... So like at the time when you're caught up in it? Yeah, when you're caught up in it, you don't realise how it's going to be, how the knock-on effect is going to be like 30 years from from then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so at that particular time, it's just like, it was a job, because I was basically a a full-time illustrator working freelance.
2: Yeah. Did you realise it was kicking off though? Like, did it start off, you know, you're just doing a couple and then, it, like, you're whoa, this is whoa, this is getting really big. Like, I'm, they're commissioning me
1: more and more, you know? Or was it you got in with one group of people and it be, you. Yeah, that's how so. it went because it got in with one group and then uh, other people, other promoters that liked your work and then they will phone you up and then you do, like, other pieces and that led to other people. Yeah.
0: But it's difficult at the time to know quite how significant what you're doing. Exactly. is. But that's why the, this podcast works so well. It's because we cast our way back to the to thirty years hence, 25, 30 years hence, yeah. and you, you you view it in a, in a different way. So now with that with the passage of time, how do you how do you feel about having been such an integral part then?
1: I felt you know good about it yeah because it was also to do with like uh, my you know my visual journey, basically of me uh, perfecting my craft doing the illustrations for, you know, different, like, rave promoters. Each promoter had a vague vision of what they wanted. They basically wanted something, like, bright and imaginative, you know, full of fantasy, full of, you know, surrealism to go on their covers to basically pull the people in. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there's a demand from in, in a way. Because, yeah. Because some, some yeah. of the people they turn around and they say, "Make it the best fly you've ever done," <laughs> and, you're, and you're just you're boggled your brain. No pressure. Yeah. And do you feel like uh, you were evolving at the time as well? You, it wasn't
2: just that you were this great artist. You like you said, you were still learning your your trade. So there's still yeah. a level of apprehension in in your commission and, and such so yeah saying,
1: "Actually, I've got to produce the best thing I've ever bloody done." Well, so. I I just well that, that just fell on deaf ears. Because I, you know, I try not to
0: produce crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not. You, you're not going to. Yeah, you're not going to go. I oh, know. I'm. I'm phoning this one in, mate. Like this is. Rub- this is going to be rubbish. Well, I mean, you would always. You're professional. Yeah. So you'd always want to create I, the best.
1: You've e- done. Even. Even. Even though uh, the one particular case where a promoter came to me and they said, "Yeah, I've got this idea for a flyer. You've got a guy and you've got a woman." pointing at a pumpkin in the doorway and you're thinking oh good grief (laughs) the pineapple is on one and so oh yeah okay I'll do it I would call that one of the best flies I've ever done no well
0: we're going to ask you some more about some of your great successes and also (laughs) some of your less successful ones uh, later on in the podcast but it, it must have been a massive buzz then and now actually to know that your art was on the wall of so many yeah. young people. And actually, what's interesting about this is that people who aren't necessarily into art. Yeah. See, the, the real buzz, yeah,
1: came from going down to places like MASH, the record shop, right? Mm-hmm. And getting your own fries because some of the promoters wasn't able to be, actually give you your own flyers, mm-hmm. So I had to go down to record shops. Sure. Right, and, <laughs> to and, get your own. Yeah, art. And get my own <laughs> take a wad here and a wad there. Otherwise, I'd end up with none. Is that right? If, uh, yeah.
0: I mean, but they paid you. But I mean, yeah, they paid you. Could me. you not? Say, could you not put it to the contract? I, I want some flyers too. There was
1: no contract involved. Oh, there's no there. contract. Yeah. Right. It's like, this is the flyer you deliver it, and then they basically think yeah, that they own the rights to the artwork forever.
2: Do you think people aren't just paying attention and it just gets lost in the ether? It's like it's done now. Get them out, and then you're yeah.
0: you're left with nothing basically. Well, uh, oh, very little. <laughs>
2: but you get paid, hopefully.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, why do you think that the '90s rave scene? You know, we know why you find it exciting, but why do you think generally people still hold it in such high regard? Well, compared to 2020, you
1: can see <laughs> that's why a fair point. I mean, uh, yeah. in high regard or anything, actually, yeah. Yeah. because you can go back then and you can say you was more free then than you are now. Mm. You had more liberty then than you are that you have now.
0: Yeah. I wonder if it was the last sort of period where, you know, we are people. I don't want to sound like Nigel Farage going on about health and safety and stuff like that, or Richard Littlejohn. But I wonder if it was the last sort of place, the last sort of time where there was a bit more freedom for people to behave yes. in a way that they wanted to behave, yeah. and and it weren't restricted by legislation, for yeah. instance, and that created something yeah. free.
1: Well, it doesn't impede creativity. That's it, that's the thing. it enhances creativity, and then, and the and the thing the thing is yeah that uh, the powers that be yeah who like to like lock everything down, they don't like creativity and they don't like they don't like people mixing together because that's where the creative powers are mm-hmm. people coming together and actually thinking having a talk you know over over water or over a bear yeah that's the the creative angle of like you know the the rave uh, story. Do you think there's also like
2: but like an edginess to that rave scene at the time that helps sort of like spur on something that's more creative something that's like completely new you know like a, when you've got maybe two or three different cultures sort of coming together um, or people from all different backgrounds yeah. and stuff This
1: it, yeah. it's like a melting pot it is a melting pot because uh, at the end of it yeah you can say that the rave scene basically like generated new types of music as well yeah yeah. From the back of the rave scene, you yeah, know, you know, you you wouldn't have basically like you know, you know, you know, jungle, and you haven't got you know, uh, drum and bass, and like dubstep, and other of those branches of the same tree. Do you think it's a bit more boxed
2: in now, or is that what you're saying in 2020 that, that that maybe things are a bit more refined? Um, do you think every you know, there's too oh,
1: much of it? Too uh, much? No, I want to say fine, I'd right, just say now we're living in an age where it, it seems to be more controlled. Right. Yeah, that like people haven't got a certain amount of freedoms to do what they did 20, thirty back thirty years ago. Do you think it's also access as well? Like, like the way in which you access, like, you know, everything, music, media, artwork. Whatever. Yeah, everything's all gone on the internet. Yeah. You know, because what you want to basically do is get everybody back into a club. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's not happening, everyone's going to go onto the internet to you know listen to their favorite you know DJs and artists. Yeah, and because of all this, like, you know, Covid thing, yeah, that's where it's all gone. It's all gone online. Yeah, no one's like doing gigs apart from if you do it online, you can either, you know, sell tickets, pay for a view. Do
0: you think you inspired any Ravers into art? Have you, heard, have you spoken yes. to any former Ravers? Yes. Have told you that yes. you were the inspiration yes. for their I've careers? In, yes, I've inspired people you know,
1: either to get into art, get into graphics, and actually, you know, become DJs as well. Really? really?
0: Uh, who? anyone that we know that we might have heard of? I uh, can't, can't remember it? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you've been around a block a yeah. bit you met a lot of people yeah, I can't I believe blame you've been remembering everyone <laughs> <laughs> uh, well listen this is the 90's Ray podcast with uh, me Tom Latcham Grant Yanni Grant Assart sour Artist and Junior Tomlin who is the died in your ah, there you go he said it uh, we're going to find out a little bit more about you we do a little quickfire round where we just ask you a few little uh, questions about yourself i'm going to take one question grant's going to take the next we just want quick snappy answers okay how does that sound <laughs> right interesting full name Junior Willity Tomlin Willity, love
1: it I was wondering whether (laughs) whether you were junior As in you've got the same name as your dad No So junior is actually Junior's are my actual names on the birth certificate My christening certificate, everything Willity, love it Willity, okay, cool Age Age can you disclose? Yeah, I'll answer that question because it's no secret. I've been in the business for 30 years and I am 60, so. 60? Wow, you're looking fantastic. Yeah, mate. 60 yeah, of, right. as of uh, the 3rd of September. Great. Well, congratulations. Yeah. So what did you do in your 60th? I go to the pub with my dearest and a few friends. Good man, <laughs> lovely. Uh, and where did you grow up? I grew up in Notting Hill Gate, Label Grove. And where do you live now? I live in Lubbock Grove. Okay, well... <laughs> the apple didn't fall far from the street, did it? Yeah. Still there. Hey, relationship status? Uh, as you can see, my relationship status is, is very nice with my lovely dudes over there. Doodess, I like that. So and like, she is, and she is, is, is lovely, lovely. She is lovely, she is lovely. Do yes, yeah. yeah. you have any children? No, I haven't. You don't have any children. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: favourite non-rave tunes? Favourite non-rave tunes? Yeah, yeah what's wow.
1: your
2: favourite non-rave tune? Like, the, the,
1: you know... <laughs> no kick drum. <laughs> you have got lies. Oh, yeah, I have got those non-rave tunes. What are you into? Oh, it's not rave. Hmm. I would say uh, the first one that came off to my, into my head was Aphex Twin. Wow, that was not there. Sure that like, yeah, Why? Yeah. I just, I just like that sound of uh, music, it's like, it's like, totally, you know, different to listen to. Out there, yeah. Yeah. And the, and uh, all over the place, and a whole range of different styles as well, Yeah. Per- on the enough person, Yeah, and person's Philip Glass. Okay. Nice. Yes. Yeah, I feel like, you know, nice eclectic music, music, yeah, and yeah. The other things, even like, even classical. Oh, really? Yeah. All sorts of really. Yeah,
0: like, uh, because I grew up with holster planets. Okay, all Right. Uh, and who's the most famous person you've met? <laughs>
1: oh dear, famous person that I've ever met. The uh, famous person I ever met briefly that would happen to be uh, Richard Attenborough. Oh,
0: that's a good one. Yeah, that's nice a good really one.
2: Thing. Not bad at all. Um, what's your favourite tipple apart from obviously the? Um, Signature brewery beer we have in Rum having. and Black. Rum and Black. <laughs>
0: Did they not sell that downstairs? <laughs> they do do a rum, apparently. do What, rum beer? <laughs> <It's not> Rummery. <laughs> I bet they do do a rum beer
1: somewhere, yeah. not here. And then my other favorite, too cool, here, would you believe, it's like uh, what's it? Ryan Nephew's
0: White Rum. Lovely. No, oh, like dear, dangerous oh, yeah. It is dangerous. It is. It goes yeah. down and it burns its way down. I've lost <laughs> quite a few nights to Ray and Nephew. Yeah. And dangerous. are yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> two of them. Why I need <laughs> <love> nephew. <laughs> uh, and what would you say is your best trait? Oh boy.
1: Ah. Inspiring people.
0: Yes, I'm better than what they are. That's good. That's 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 good. That's a great great trait, actually. Yeah, most people can't say that to be honest. I certainly can't. (laughs) What's your worst one?
1: Uh, Probably being stubborn. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, maybe not. What's
0: it? Not being fastidious enough. (laughs) You're going to have to explain what fastidious means to our our audience. Are idiots? (laughs) I don't mean that guys so <laughs> <lovely. laughs> What well, Tom means is he's <laughs> <energy. You> an idiot <laughs> It, it doesn't, shit, <laughs> doesn't mean
2: Shit Shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Rumbled
1: The journalist yes. doesn't know the word <laughs> Yeah it could be a bit uh, tidier and neater and Fine okay muscle. Yeah. All right.
2: Fair enough um, We missed one out I think
1: Favourite TV show Ah favourite TV show uh, That would happen to be
0: The Mandalorian Oh, really yeah. oh, that, okay. doesn't, that doesn't surprise me from your artwork <laughs> yeah, At yeah. All. it's not my bag i bet he likes it i do like it of course you do but what do you like about it is it the
2: is it is it the is it the star wars thing or do you are you like are you getting into that whole like western
1: sort of thing i, l- I like the fusion of uh, the star wars thing with the western yeah because it also reminds me of uh what's it serenity there's a there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of talk about like stuff like
2: serenity as well but they also like have been bringing it a lot back to the, the whole good the bad and the ugly and spaghetti yeah. and all that sort of, which I love as well so yeah and you know looking at your artwork and the whole that futurism sort of idea I think there's something that we probably both appreciate
1: in yeah. the old meets new creating something yeah, else because you can you can do a mashup of them
0: any way you like and it will still work yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that. It does just strike me as though there was some TV executive who went, you know what I like? I like Star Wars and I like Westerns let's do this and yes. rather than actually it was actually sort of like a real plan it was just like I like those two things let's make a yeah. TV show but look if you've got that sort of power why wouldn't you Yeah, yeah. Sure, not. Sure. Uh, you're listening to the 90's Raid podcast with uh, Tom Latcham Junior Tomlin and Grantus Arts if you want to get in touch with us at all on email hello at the Raid we're on all your social media channels and if you're watching us you'll know we're on YouTube but if you're just listening to us on audio you might not know and if you don't know check us out on YouTube Well, we hope you're enjoying today's episode of Raw, but now's where we ask you inevitably for your help to keep this project rolling on. We're a tight-knit team of four working part-time for free, taking no wages at this project to create this podcast, and it's quite a serious undertaking alongside our normal day jobs. Hopefully you can see from our progression from audio to video in the few months since we started this podcast that thanks to your ongoing donations, we've managed to improve our equipment. And I'm pleased to say your generosity means this podcast now washes its own face in terms of costs, which is absolutely great news. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much to any of you who've donated. Uh, We've got big, big plans for the future but we aren't going to be able to do it without your support. So if you want us to keep making Raw, you're going to need to keep on funding Raw and that will help with the cost of renting or buying recording kit and paying expenses to travel the country and interview more of your favourite rave artists from the 90s. So if you can spare anything at all, no matter how big or how small, you can do so at gofundme.com forward slash the 90s rave podcast. That URL again is gofundme.com forward slash the 90s rave podcast. And if you're not in a position to donate because we know it's a tough time for everybody you can instead help by subscribing and sharing our content on youtube facebook instagram and twitter you just need to search for raw the 90s rave podcast go and do that now please massive love and respect to each and every one of you hope you're enjoying it
2: so you're a multifaceted artist you um you've done awesome pencil drawings you've got some sort of japanese style in there you've got your afrofuturism those images like reminiscent of the Aquarian Age, your, your comic book stuff, um, you worked for like 2000 AD, DC Comics, yeah. all, all these sort of guys. Um, as well as the Ray Flyers, what was it that got you to start doing artwork as a young man in the, first, in the first place? It's like, I mean, you know, were you seven or eight, something like that? Right, was seven, uh,
1: when I was seven or eight. I um, Take you right back. That, take, uh, that takes me right back. Because what was on the TV at that particular time was
0: things, things like uh one, the prisoner. I don't know that one at all. I'm showing yeah. my age as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Jeremy Tomlin has shown his age, really. Isn't <laughs> <us>. <laughs> let, me, let me show my age. <laughs> yeah, it's all there. <laughs> the
1: prisoner. Yeah, the prisoner. I Patrick, know, I, I know. Pat, the yeah, Patrick, Patrick go in Right. Okay. Yeah, and then you had, uh, you know, the usual old sci-fi shows like Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. Blake Seven. Blake or... Seven, you know, yes. Rogers yeah. and... Black Rogers. Black Rogers and Roger twenty first century. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. Lost in space. Yeah. Hmm? Sorry. Uh so and things like Lost in Space. Yeah. Yeah. And all the stuff by Owen Allen. Okay, so you've been so a lot of sci fi. Yeah.
0: I think that's obvious though, isn't it, in a lot of
1: your it, artwork. It is. But it was only only when like one the other influence was when Star Wars came out. And then the other influence here is when I won a competition at school, and they sent me off yeah with sort of like a five pound like W H Smith vouchers, and I ended up buying a book. So that actually did that spur you on to that. Magazine? In a way, actually, but, gonna... yeah, because in, in a way, because what it was, the, the book was basically an Asimov, a collection of Asimov stories. I think it was like the first Foundation,
2: right?
1: Yeah, and I loved the cover yeah but would you believe that it would be like, like another like five years until I read the book
2: right okay yeah. to be a bit I can't believe that
1: because I'm a bit like that yeah. <laughs> I can get drawn into similar and then, and then I read the book and we had a trip to Margate you know the seaside school yeah and I ended up in a bookshop buying like seven Asimov books straight right okay yeah and I thought, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do science fiction covers.
2: Okay. Um, and what did your parents and your friends think of your artistic
1: endeavours?
0: Yeah, um, were you good instantly, or yeah,
1: were you, yeah, were you, yeah? Mean, you yeah a a natural, early on. Well, some of my earlier stuff was like uh, not, not so good. But at school, I had kids asking me to draw their things for them. <laughs> you know, you to charge them. them. Well, I should have done. That. I was, I was more enterprising than I would have done.
2: But there was a uh, feeling like, amongst you the and your your peers at the time, a bit like your schoolmates.
1: The you were cut above the others, and you were the go-to guy for yeah. like a, a quick graphic or something. Yeah. Because not only that, guess what? I used to draw on tabletops. All right. Yeah, that was in the, you know, in the beginning. I was, I just was getting into Marvel comics. All right. Okay. Cool. I'm drawing Marvel characters uh, on the table. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You sat have
1: old old school folder ones, didn't you? All that, you yeah. right underneath. No, not, not not those ones. The,
0: the, 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 <laughs> you know the cream the cream type tables where you could draw. Then <laughs> did you have encouragement from your from your family at all to do art? Was it something that they thought? Because a lot of artists mm. will, will, will will tell a story about how their parents were like, "You you've got to get a proper job." No, my mum was okay with it. So my
1: dad wanted me to become a printer. Yeah, I didn't want to. No, no, my dad asked me to become an architect. And I said to him I wanted to become a printer and he didn't really kind of cared for that very much. Right, it's not a proper job. Yeah, but my- I, What
2: well, I, would I that have meant as well, though, back then? Because I think printer now and printer then may be different things. Does that mean sign writer, like punk sign painter? Is that what he would have had
1: in his head, or? It could have, been, I thought, well, you know, a printer when you actually working, doing print, actually doing- Screen
0: printing. Print. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And as, you got, and as you grew older and more experienced, did your influence change or were you always influenced by the same thing? Or, or does it change dependent on what, what's going on in the wider world? It's... Mm, a good question. It's also,
1: what, it's also a bit fluid. One, what's happening in the wider world. And two, your... What you read. Because I'm you know, interested in mythology... You know, Norse mythology. That's why, you know, I liked Marvel comics that I even thought. You know, I loved, you know, loved science fiction. I loved robots. So put that all together, and then you basically got the beginnings of, of me drawing up, you know, scenes and coming up with, like, you know, fantastic-looking things. But, you know, to spare head that, it was like... Uh, I basically wanted to become a graphic designer, so I had to sort of do, like, two years of A-level art. Right. Do you
2: think you've always been someone who's just captured by imagery? Just like as a human being, like you know, you you see things and they stick with you. Is that something that you know, you know, um, has helped you build this like
1: rapport as an as an artist? Do you think? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah,
1: because the imagery that you know. Your, your eyes have basically seen millions and millions of things. Yeah. Did
2: you study? Did you study art? I mean, you've got the, yeah. the Salvador Dali, a yeah. Brave tag. Yeah. Did you study the classics? Is that influenced you yeah. even more? Yeah. I've done that it, build
1: and evolve you. I've done a foundation course in art and design. No, right. no I done, yeah, art, art and design, and then I went and did three years as a, on a graphic design course. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that's a, where you learnt about like you know the you know the history of art of, of artists.
2: Yeah. And do you think that that you know obviously
1: created you know, the, the, the wealth and of, of, of things that you had know, to, to, to yeah. draw for your artwork? Yeah, because what stuck with me yeah was the surrealist movement and Bauhaus. Yeah, how they use type and how uh, you know, the surrealist movement used like uh, bits from dreams. Yeah, to come up with you know their ideas. Yeah, so everything is all like fused together. I definitely see this Salvador, um, totally, uh, yeah. the Dali inspiration the genesis of, and... of, of any idea always comes from like a subject factual and then you just basically expand upon
0: it but this would have been the 70s 70s right? Uh, that 80. you were sort of finding yeah. your way into yes. the seventies 80s okay so we were we were sort of seven or eight years away from rave and. Ten or fifteen yeah. years away from the the nineties rave scene, which is where this podcast is, you wouldn't have been thinking about that. Obviously, no. it exists. Uh, when how did, how did you find your way into the, the rave scene, which is, of course, what this podcast is all about?
1: Ah, now that's the question. I found my way into the rave scene through the music scene, right? Yeah, because I was working for Kicking Records at that particular time. Yeah, and I was doing record covers. Yeah, I was doing record covers for Kicking Records at that particular time and Vinyl Solution. And the first company that I'd done my first record cover for was Mute Records, you know, Renegade Soundwave. Unless you know, Danny's gonna play a set downstairs. Nice. Yeah, that's how I got into it. And I was at uh, the offices of Kicking one day where a rave promoter came in and he was basically looking for an artist to do you know the th- their first rave and they found me and that's, that's how that's history
0: and, and why do you think that your designs proved so popular in that, in that world I think mainly because
1: it's one they haven't seen anything you know like it and it basically takes their mind away to another place it's a little bit like, like drugs in a way that you could basically call it visual draggy.
2: Okay. You one, know? Of, one of the things that does stand out with your rave flyers is that we've, we've sort of touched upon already and you did in your opening statement is the use of, of sci-fi in yeah. in your rave flyers. And so what was the big draw and what was it that made you link uh, sci-fi
1: and rave together? One is that... Uh, some of the elements in the music use sci-fi samples. You listen to some tracks, you'll find sci- fi sci-fi samples in there. Particularly uh, early on as
0: well. Yeah, you'll you, you, you find- well, Blade Runner's yeah. really heavily sampled. Terminator, <laughs> of you, uh, you know, Muffin's Yeah. The Whipers, the, the yeah. name of Terminator,
1: yeah. the two. Predator in there, Star Trek, you know, board, things, things like that. Yeah. You know, even Aliens, mm-hmm. even certain pieces of music from a you know the, one of the alien uh, movies.
0: The funny thing is, it's changed so much now with the algorithms that find these samples and basically kill all tunes that have got those samples in. You wouldn't be able to do your work nowadays in that field. In the, do you know what I mean? In that way that you are able to, because it just doesn't exist anymore.
1: No, but I would be always, always able to do, you know do, you know produce work because. It's not all dependent on on those set of variables, because what I started doing, this is the, you know even going before I started to think to I used to do computer game packaging artwork. Yeah, and the computer game packaging artwork industry, as you know, it's a, you know large, industry It's made to like science fiction games. Yeah, yeah. so that's why I was doing spaceships. Yeah, that's why I'm like doing robots. People, you know, big people, big people with futuristic guns and things like that that's where the teeth of the whole thing came from and that basically has been continued into like the rave era because they basically like science fiction pop culture as a whole yeah sort
2: of, that at the time and from the time when you were younger in the 70s um, moving forward the sort of the, Gripped you in some yeah. way, like those shows we talked about, uh, Doctor Who, Blake Seven, yeah. and things like that. And particularly, I mean, when you look at some of your, your early artwork, the airbrush stuff that, that we spoke about, that really does have that like 60s and 70s feel about it at times as, as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, do, you, do you think that the evolution of dance music, Tom's talked about this throughout like, most of the podcast, how quick things change in the 90s and the fact that it was electronic music as well also added to that idea of what you were saying futurism and and, and then sort of helping that sci-fi idea or the idea in um obviously like the artwork i do for for the 90s rape podcast is more graphical and sort of comic booky um, yeah. which is something you're not unfamiliar to either you do comic comic, comic book work and stuff as well so yeah. why, why do you think that the sci-fi was a bigger
1: draw than something, say like like gra- more graphical work. That was particularly my, my style because maybe because I always wanted to basically do like uh, science fiction book covers. Right. Okay. Yeah. So your personal love was brought yeah. into this. And uh, also, as I said, as, as I said before, when I was doing uh, computer game packaging artwork, it was basically like it's either fantasy orientated. Yeah. Sci-fi orientated. Or or surreal orientated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all that fused into another decade.
0: That's really interesting. And in terms of the promoters that you uh, that you worked with and you worked for, who are your favourites to work for and why? <laughs> interesting. You got to be, <laughs> m- m- be a bit careful now, but uh, hopefully not that careful. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I. I'll always
1: remember the the, the the first fly that i that I done Rave World with the three floating heads mm. yeah that was the first flyer that I ever done so I always always have like a uh, soft spot soft spot for that that image and you know that promoter because he basically wanted to produce a rave yeah on a limited colour budget so he didn't have to like pay the printing costs so that's why it's blue so the next rave he said oh yeah I can use the same artwork and change it to green, and then I use the same
0: artwork again and change it to red. That's what Grant does with the Night's Ray podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what is it with your artists? That you're just uh, recycling. Yeah, well, like, whatever. it works. It works, right? Yeah, it works. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know? So I enjoyed work- working with him, and I also enjoyed working for. What's it? Raven, Raven Promotions. Because I've done that for. T- What's it? Two. Pieces of artwork for them, and I, I quite enjoyed doing those ones. And I also d- enjoyed doing like uh, Dream Zone, my two Dream Zone pieces. I really, really loved it. Because there's pieces that I love, even though I can't remember so much of like working with the
0: promoter. What is it that that makes them stand out then? Thirty years on, that you're like, no, nah, that they were they were the ones that I loved. It's nearly like you, it's you.
1: You've reached a certain pinnacle in your artwork. You know?
0: Where you you, you wanna crack What's your- that like? <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can tell me and we could I can maybe sing for it. It's that sense of pride
1: where you, you you've done a piece of artwork because I'm hundred percent happy with it, yeah, then you you know, yeah, that you've re- basically gone up a tier.
0: And were there any producers that you that you didn't really gel with? You didn't like working with well, I, I enjoyed working with all all of them.
1: Apart from those who didn't return my artwork. <laughs>
2: Right. Okay. So, I, did I read something about about this in your book about your um,
1: your artwork never coming back to you? Yeah. In some cases, it never came back. Yeah. See so the original copies that you sent off. Yeah. Because some 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 producers think here yeah, that we commissioned you to do the artwork. It's our art, artwork it's now, No, it's mine that's the it, no. It's <laughs> the, question, the question is, yeah, the cop, the copyright and the image that actually belongs to me. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So Has that changed things for you in some way. It changed things for me on, one, on this particular level, where after doing, working with files, uh, it slamming vinyl, I done two, two two pieces, and I didn't get the artwork back. And I said, "Oh, sorry, it, I'm going to do it all digital." That's the step from the artwork had to evolve from like airbrush to digital. Okay. Yeah. So, so, airbrush. Yeah, yeah. so it's okay to send off a digital file because you know you're, you're, you know that that's okay. But with original you've artwork, got, you've still got it. Yes. But original piece of artwork, yeah, that you never get back does hurt a little bit.
0: Who never returned them? I feel that. <laughs> read the book. <laughs> 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 well, you <laughs> should read the book because it is very good. <laughs> it uh, is good. If you want to buy it, you definitely, definitely should it's buy it. It's out
1: of velocity you know, press.
0: Dan, you know, I'm in Would you go to Raves? Are you a raver? Uh, sometimes. Would you go to raves to see what was happening in the raves, to try to be inspired, to try and find inspiration for what was happening uh, in the scene? Same- not
1: really, because it, uh, it's, the, it's the music that it really drives and inspires me. Yeah, the rave is just basically people dancing to the music that inspires me. You know, but every now and again, if I get a chance, I'll go to a rave just to sort of, like I uh, have that bit of nostalgia. Cool, sure.
0: cool. You still go? <laughs> so there might be dancing in a
1: rave, and Junior Tomlin's there. Yeah, I well, do like, no, Oh know no, that guy! he's well, a Salvador to rave. Yeah, the last little rave I went to a year was like uh, the launch of like, uh, what's it? DJ Raps book. Ah. Yeah, for her, for you know for her birthday i can't remember what what the venue is but afterwards they had like you know a little rev where she was like playing a set and that was that, you know that was fun i in, i enjoyed it but it's needed like reminiscing yeah even even the what timing. were your
0: favorite djs back in the day from the 90s who did you like is there any out he really
1: inspired you i like ndc yeah i liked uh it was like the, Uh, two Bad mice, nice,
0: yep. yeah, yeah, solid. Yeah, Trio. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, go with his earlier stuff. Sounds yeah. like you were into more breakbeat stuff. Yeah, you still created for some vinyl towards the end of the nineties. Yeah, and they had when hardcore was four beat, and people would say you know it lost a lot of sense yeah. of what it was with the cheesiness. Like you, you didn't sound like you were that into no, that sort they, of stuff.
1: Uh, Happy hardcore that's you know that, that's something else because uh, when i was like working for in you know slamming, that was that was their thing happy hardcore yeah working with uh what's it? some other promoters yeah where it's just like pure jungle and i really liked you know the the, the music that came out of the jungle scene because it reminded me of dub reggae okay yeah so like yeah, drum and bass and dubstep it just reminded me of futuristic dub
0: Right, yeah. which is where it fits right in with what you yeah.
1: did. So,
0: um, apart from
2: your like your favourite music to say, what was your actual favourite piece of work that you did? The bit that's the standout piece.
1: It's not, mm, boy. I would say that one, my first piece, which happened to be like you know, rave world. And then the two pieces that I'd done for Dream Zone. Yeah, the woman the woman's head floating above uh, Stonehenge. What yeah. was it about those that image that,
2: that maybe made it one of the best for you? Was it the production of it or was it their final
1: outcome? Um, well no, a little bit like, above. It was it was like the, the production of the image and you kn- and uh, the final outcome, where you said, "Yeah, I've, I, I think I've achieved something here that actually that feels good." You know? And you also have to remember that when I saw like producing artwork, uh, you have to basically, you're sort of like doing it by hand. You have to get it right first time.
2: Yeah, there's something about good artwork when you finish it, when it's good. There's almost a, there's an effortlessness to it in a way. When it when you get into something it gets too uh, you get too bogged down with it, then it can become, become a strain, maybe.
1: Yeah, it it gets to a point where you you can be doing artwork, and it gets to that slight threshold where if you do too much, you're starting to ruin it. You could overwork it. Yeah. You need to go walk away, maybe yeah. come back. So so, so <laughs> you something. have to sort of like work out here yeah, that uh, A, B, and C, and then do the touch ups, and then that's it. So you know, leave it alone.
2: Yeah. No, when enough.
1: Yeah. Because once you sort of like say, oh yeah, let me dabble, let me dabble, and then before you know, it, you end up with a, a in your mind that some yeah, which is like a monstrosity, and you don't want that. You basically have to know when to stop.
0: Yeah. yeah. And uh, well, I mean that sort of is a signifier for us to maybe some come to a stop. But I want to know, you know, you've got this book out. What are you up to nowadays? Are you still working in uh, dance music and creating? And, and and what impact has COVID had? You know, what are you up to? Well. Well,
1: COVID had the you know impact on everyone else. I'm still freelancing at home.
0: You know? But What are you doing? What are you creating? What's the sort of work you're doing? So you do, I mean, obviously like events of sort of yeah. down, so it's yeah. flyer work. Yeah, it's um, it's basically a record
2: cover
1: work. Right. Okay. I do record covers. And th- so is that that staying pretty and consistent? I, that is, they pretty consistent, and I still do you know logos. So the work is, I've still got a workflow since since Jim and the book has basically helped. Great,
2: great.
1: Yeah, because, you know, it's my wish to basically get the, get the book seen by all the ravers. And you were talking about thousands upon thousands of them and I haven't even dented that yet.
0: <laughs> Do new
1: ravers like your stuff? Yes. Young ravers like your stuff? Yes. So I want to, to inspire them or like to go to schools to inspire them even, even further.
2: You got to Good. remember as well, art, art isn't. I mean, you do get like historical periods of art, but this, I think the sort of art that, that Tom has produced really spans like a lot of different generations. Um, yeah,
1: it spans generations. that also spend, spend I say three decades. Yeah,
2: there's a lot of niches as well, isn't there? Like things like sci-fi
1: is yeah. still a huge massive yeah. draw. Like Raven itself is. Yeah, um, there's loads of other like, things. Yeah, to bring because, back you, to you. Yeah, because you, you can even say that even if you like uh, watch a sci-fi film, yeah. Just listen to some of the beats in the film and they say, wait a minute, dude, that's a bit of dubstep in there. So dubstep and sci-fi always go hand in hand. I'm 60
0: years old and still cooler than I am. I know, dubstep? <laughs> What's dubstep? <laughs> uh, Junior Tomlin, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. Uh, it's been brilliant yeah, it's and been brilliant. Uh, I could talk to you all day, frankly, but that is Junior Tomlin. The Salvador Dahlia rave created some of the flyers that you almost certainly had on your uh, wall as you were as you were raving as a a teenager, as many of you would have been who were watching this. This
2: has been
0: an honour for me. It's been a pleasure. And a pleasure for me too. Top man, you're listening to Raw, the 90s Rave podcast, Tom Latcham, Grant Arts and Junior Tomlin. Yeah, and what does the Salvador Dari of Rave? well that's it from another episode of Raw we hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it we're now an all video platform so if you're listening on audio please do check out our YouTube page for this episode filmed plus loads more besides and you can also find us on Facebook Insta and Twitter just search for Raw The 90s Rave Podcast plus if you can spare just a few quid to help us continue making more great 90s rave content and hopefully keeping a smile on your face at a difficult time you can do so at gofundme.com forward slash the 90s Ray podcast all donations will be plowed back into the podcast including expenses to get around the country interviewing some of your Ray favorites uh, and also improving our equipment it's
1: about a
2: pressure it's about a roar